Hi, welcome to Free Will, Science, and Religion. My name is George Ortega. I'm here with Chandler Klebs, Trick Slattery, Mitch J, and Jamie Soden. And we're here today to discuss morality and how morality perhaps relates to the question of whether we have a free will or not, or just actually more directly to the fact that we don't have a free will. Now, in terms of morality, we're going to focus on the consequentialist argument, meaning that like what's moral or not is based on the consequences. In other words, what's immoral is what causes pain and unhappiness, and what's moral is what causes pleasure and happiness. And then um, we're going to contrast that with other um, paradigms for morality, for example, like deontology, um, and the, the, the idea of intent. In other words, if, if a person, you know, intends to cause someone harm, is that essentially uh, an immoral act regardless of consequences, or do the consequences, like, form uh, an inseparable part of, of judging whether that intent is, is moral or immoral? All right, guys, so, like, that's the basic framework. Um, who wants to start? I'd, I'd, li I'd like to start. Okay. So, um... So when we investigate free will and we start realizing that people are not fundamentally responsible for what they do, we have an issue when people do things that we strongly disapprove of, things that George said cause pain and suffering. So there's still a place for morality. There's still a desire that human beings have to know what you should do. So that's what um, normative ethics is about. Okay. It's about, is there a way, is there a paradigm, a framework, some kind of philosophy that will help us decide what to do in a given situation or help us decide what's good or what's bad? Um, in particular, I, am of the, I, I have a very peculiar, nuanced kind of position that does have a bit of consequentialism in it. That is, that there is... Um, it is influenced by consequences to a certain extent, but it's much more deontological. In other words, I'm assessing an action by itself. It's sort of like a rule consequentialism. That is, murder, generally speaking, is wrong, or murder is always wrong. I'm, I lean more towards that kind of morality as to trying to make an effort to determine what the consequences of any action will be. I think that isn't re doesn't really make sense because as many of uh, the co-hosts here have said in the past, there is this infinite causal chain. So everything you're doing is constantly affecting an, a, an incalculable number of things. And those effects are constantly changing as time progresses. So if anyone wants to jump in. So okay, so you say you're you're more of a deontologist, but then you say it's it's like a, a sort of consequentialist deontologist. Um, rule, con rule consequentialism is very similar to deontology. It's okay, sort rule of consequentialism. So basically, you you base your rules on uh, consequentialist uh, outcomes, correct or no? No, but it will. I don't want to take a lot of time talking about where I. I but. Um, if well, it's you kind probe of me for questions, you'll discover what it, uh, what it is okay. exactly. Okay, well, can, can you just give me, like, what, one Trick, specific... Trick, why, why don't you give your position, and then I'll give mine, and we can, like, okay. explore yeah, in more detail. I'm a, I'm a consequentialist. Um, 
I think deontology and virtue ethics are cart before the horse, horse ethics. In other words, I think they, um, they, and you know, for also for the benefit of the audience that may not know some of these terms, can we define them? Like, when, yes, what, yes. Deontological okay. is, is more of a rule based, um, ethic, uh, uh, Kantian ethics are considered deontological, um, where he has moral imperatives. So, so there's these set rules. Uh, and some people even consider like religious rules, like like um, the Ten Commandments, for example, as a deontological rule. But that's a that's more of a religious based type of deontology. But there there are set rules that always apply. Um, for the ethic, and then there's virtue ethics, which basically look at look more at the character of the person. So, that's like um, uh, I don't know. Somebody can somebody explain virtue ethics a little better, Mitch? Yeah, I, exactly that. So, virtue ethics is about the character of the person. It has a lot to do with intent. So, if someone generally speaking um, is of a good character, then uh, we judge those actions based on the character of the person itself. Right. So, 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 not, yeah. so it's not necessarily what the person does, but yep. more whether the person was virtuous in, in their action. Um, so those are the those are the two. Wait a minute. Let me see if I get this right. You're saying that virtue ethics says, like, let's say a person is deemed to have good moral character in the past. Yep. Then the judgment of a present act by this person would be somewhat um, dependent on his character in the past, because like uh, well, no, it, it depends on their character in the now. So, so yeah, if they, if they do something outside of their character, then then they they weren't being virtuous, and they were being um, somewhat immoral based on virtue ethics. So, well, so I mean, it's, but it's, how would how would that differ? In other words, like you have a person who's never, let's say, done anything wrong in in you know in his life before. But commits uh, a wrong, an immoral act. How's that different from somebody who's done wrong in his entire life and commits that same moral, immoral act? To, to me, well, to me, that wouldn't matter. For for the virtue ethicist, um, whether it's immoral act or not is based on their their whether it was a virtuous act. <laughs> so so it's so so you're saying they're they're committing a moral or immoral act, but it, that, that would, for the virtual ethicist, would depend on whether the act was considered something virtuous. I know, but um, like, we, were, we, like were using the, we were using the word character, you know, which, which kind of like implies the, the overall moral propensities of a right. person prior to whatever act. So I and think we're is, agreeing that, that like the way we're defining it, again, like that it, it that doesn't seem to matter that uh, a um, an act is either moral or immoral on its own, regardless of how the person behaves. George, in the past. I don't think anyone here really endorses yeah. virtue ethics. I agree. Yeah, that, right. yeah, that's the thing. We're not endorsing it, George. We're, we're just saying that these are the these are the the normative positions. We're, I'm actually saying virtue ethics and deontology, which is a rule-based ethic. Basically, you have a rule uh, that you know you should not lie, or something like that. And that's uh, like an always rule. Um, well, if you like to protect someone, then. All right. So, uh, yeah. So let's right. not deal. With, if we agree that virtue ethics is wrong, let's just like you know, focus on what we agree on, right? 
Well, I don't say, well, I'm not saying the, wrong. I, yeah, yeah. I'm the saying reason, fails. I'm saying the reason do, they fail is because, done. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mitch, I was cutting you I'm off. I'm done, that's it, that's it. Okay. Yeah. The reason they fail is because I think that they smuggle in the consequence. So, so, so what? Um, if somebody is virtuous, they do things that lead to the good consequence. When they don't do things that are, lead to the good consequence, the, I would consider them not virtuous. So, so I think that that, and when you don't smuggle in that, then, then it's problematic. You're saying somebody's virtuous, but yet doing things that are harmful, for example. I think that that's, that's a conflict and it just doesn't work. And same thing with deontology. If you have a specific rule and it leads to a good consequence, then it's a good, it's a good rule, right? But, but if that rule under some other circumstances does not lead to the good consequence, I think that the ontological rule fails. So that, that's the problem here. And that's Perhaps. why consequentialism is the default, in my opinion. Perhaps Chandler right. should chime in before I well, well, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna criticize get... him. I actually do have a lot to say. Um, because first well, of all... Chandler, Chandler, before you say, um, present your position on how we right. should base, you know, whether to judge an act um, as moral or immoral. Because that's basically the question. Well, um, generally, I tend to follow the hedonic imperative, the pleasure and pain model, that something is considered good when it causes, causes the most pleasure um, or bad when it causes more pain, you know. So basically, um, I think that all moral frameworks, um, except for consequentialism, which I think requires the whole pleasure and pain thing, um, are kind of messed up. Um, in the sense that, um, you know, virtue ethics is like divine command theory, you know, because the person saying or doing something is considered good for no reason, then it's good. And deontology, I think, has problems too, because it acts as if an act can be good or bad if that act has no consequences. Okay, excellent, Chandler. And I, I tend to agree with that, and I, I tend to agree with the consequentialist premise as foundational. In other words, like the reason immoral acts are immoral is because they cause pain or suffering. Those are the consequences of the act. But I would just like, I, I would say that there's one, another component of morality that that needs to be considered. Um, we were talking about this earlier, and that, that's that of intent. So like, while in general, an act is virtuous or, or moral or not, depending on whether it creates uh, pleasure or pain, you know, if we consider the, the intent of a person, let's say a person um, intends to do harm, but it, it, you know, it goes awry, doesn't go according to a person's plans, and, you know, the person a ends up, you know, actually doing good inadvertently, I would, I would still claim that the, the intent, the act was immoral, even though it led to positive consequences. Um, Trick, I know that you kind of um, say that that's consequentialist in a sense. Yes, it, it certainly is. Like, the foundation is consequentialist, but I still can't, you know, I can't um, think of how we should um, 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 designate. Can I, can I please or, hold on, address hold on, hold on, uh, that claim when you're done, when you're done? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 can't, see, you, I can't see how we can, like, label 
you know, uh, let's say somebody who who does something, let's say with, to the with the intent to cause suffering to millions of people as as a moral act, when um, even though it, you know, uh, when 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 the intent is to create you know such suffering. In other words, like so, like I would I would the way I would frame that or understand that is like the the act was was immoral, but the consequence was was good you know let's say in this example but we couldn't attribute that goodness to the person okay so that's my position um go ahead mitch you said a couple things there that i kind of agree with i'm not that was kind of strange but um so anyway earlier trick said when you're not using the consequentialist paradigm when you're using the ontology or virtue ethics it's the cart before the horse i i disagree Deontology is the cart and the horse. Suppose in any situation, the consequentialist has a dilemma. And here's the dilemma the consequentialist has. Event A happens, which leads to outcome B. Jamie, a, Jamie, the keyboarding. Sorry. Hey, Jamie, a, if you're going to type, can you mute your mic so it doesn't pick it up? I'll mute, mute, I'll mute it. I'm sorry, Mitch. Go ahead. Sure, no problem. So event A leads to outcome B. And we go, oh, look, outcome B was good. Why is outcome B good? In order to ad address any state, any event, any outcome, you have to be able to assess what is good and what is bad. So that's the first thing you need. The first thing you need is a way to assess what is good and what is bad. You can say, oh, this thing happened. It looked like he did a bad thing. But it led to this consequence. This consequence is a good thing. Why is that consequence a good thing? Because everyone's right. smiling. Why is everyone smiling a good thing? Because of another consequence? No. At some point, you have to say, what are the good things and what are the bad things? It's a necessity. And that's what deontology does. Deontology says, or rule consequentialism as well, which is strongly linked to that, says that, look, at some point, you have to assess what's good and bad. So don't wait for the consequence. Immediately when the action happens, let's assess. Is Can this a good thing a or second? a bad thing? All yeah, right, so go I, ahead, Trick. I just want to jump in there. Uh, sorry. Um, so um, you're talking about, uh, you're saying we need to assess what is good and what is bad. And, and I agree with you on this. Um, but, uh, but I don't think that's the role of consequentialism. That's the role of, of meta-ethics. No, that assessing what is good and bad kind of defaults back to um, the meta your meta ethical position, which which I'm a for example a moral realist. Um, so, well, so wait a minute, wait, hold on, Trick. I mean, assessing what is good and bad isn't that the foundation of consequentialism? We assess no, what's that's good. the no, no, definition no. of deontology. Wait, a that's minute. what that is. Deontology, no, no, deont is, deontology is a action. rule is a rule based um, uh, thing, where, whereas assessing what is, what actually is good and bad is is this thing good or is this thing bad that's the role of meta ethics so that that's the role of of cool. of axiology which is which is the role of, of basically axiology yes. is is the assessment of value basically so we have to, we have to assess certain things are so so we could say that the consequentialism and meta ethics certain meta ethics uh, are compatible with each other so one's a normative position and the other one is a meta ethical position um, consequentialism leads to the things that are or are not good 
So, so that's what we, what we talk about when we, when we talk about consequentialism. But the, whether, whether they are, are, are not good has nothing to do with consequentialism. But wait a minute. All right, but okay. Trick, but like, you know, um, if you define a, an act as immoral, um, how could it possibly be immoral unless it is predicted or expected or actually does cause pain and suffering? I mean, explain to give me an example of an immoral act that could possibly, you know, not cause pain and suffering. No, no, I agree with you. That, I'm, that's why I'm a, that's why I'm a, right, both a, but, I'm, I'm right, sorry, go but, ahead. But, 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 yeah, no, but, cause like we, so like, are we in agreement that, um, that pain and suffering are the basis for concluding that an act is an immoral. I think, you know, I, I, I want to hold on to that intent thing also, just the, the intent to cause pain and harm, and that um, pleasure and happiness are the reason we call uh, moral acts moral. Are, are we all in agreement on that? I am based on my meta-ethical position. Okay, so, Mitch? No, I'm I sorry. Not. You're not? I see so, morality as a dogma. In other words, right. look, I, I, wait, I, ahead, man, ahead, wait, let me ahead, challenge please, you. Please, let yeah. me challenge you. So like, give me an example of, um, an immoral act that would not or may not cause pain and suffering or unhappiness. Uh, well, see that that's not the issue because you're, you know, He's, he it's said that morality was a dogma, so yeah. I think I think we have to we have to go a little further. I, no, no, I realize but here. a dogma well, is something that is unquestionable. But like, then the question becomes, why is it unquestionable? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the now, now we're getting there. So this is the thing, right? My view of morality. So okay, some people. Okay. Um, but you should be able to come up with an example, because if there's a no, whole, well, no, I, no, no, no. Well, the, see, it's if un, you're a deontologist, I, I just, that is. Well, here's the thing. Here's okay. here's here's the problem. Here here's the issue. Here, my particular stance on morality is this. We create morality. Morality isn't something that is discovered. This is why there are different frameworks. That's evidence of the fact that people think about morality in different ways. What human beings are trying to do is they're trying to accurately describe this sense they have about right and wrong and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And different people, different groups of people, come up with different frameworks for what's right or wrong. I don't think there is a perfect answer or something. Okay. Now, so, if so, I had to pick one, I would. I certainly like the idea of axiomatically, you know, starting out with this idea that we, I want to move away from pain and suffering. I want to reduce pain and suffering. I like that, but okay. there's no satisfying reason as to why we should. But Mitch, that's all right. Let me challenge you again. You're saying there's no reason why we should. That I'm asking you for an alternative to that. So in other words, it's all kinds not... of alternatives. Sure, I give you a whole bunch. Go ahead. You, you yes, could, give me one. You could say one. we do. One. We could say we do everything based on survival. You could all say right, we. So like, you, so no, then, no, 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 no. Maybe, before you go any further, survival. Why is survival a desirable outcome? And I think anytime we think of whether you said survival or anything else. If we keep on analyzing and exploring that, it would always um, come back to whether. No, 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 no. Here, here's where I disagree. I'm saying you could just say it's just because of survival. Like you could, you could, st you could start a moral framework based on the idea of we want to survive. Yes, no but other survival, reason. survival is something that in our mind creates pleasure and happiness. Yeah, well, well I just, I disagree with there. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm, what I'm saying, I know where you're going. I'm saying you could have a moral framework based on the idea of survival but not happiness. Okay. 
Mitch, right, I gotta ask you something. I just gotta jump in here because because we're 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 in a different realm here. Before we were yeah, talking we about norm, we, we were talking about normative ethics. Now we're talking about meta ethics. So I need to ask Mitch. Mitch, are you a moral realist or a moral relativist well, or and, a moral and, nihilist? Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Okay. If you're gonna use that, um. You know, present you know okay. in in grammatical form what got it, it. I, I understood understood okay so do you think that moral you 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 I I'm thinking you don't think moral is morality is something discoverable so it's it's you're not a what it's called a moral realist meaning you don't think morality is something really in the world um, so then there's moral that. relativism which I'm thinking what is what you seem to be leaning to which is basically you're saying that more morality is relative to, to um, uh, for example societies or opinions or individuals uh, and so forth and then there's moral nihilism basically you're saying there's no such thing as as moral value altogether um, which one of those categories would you place yourself in I'm definitely I guess moral realism is definitely Clearly, that's not where I am. But I, I don't think there is a clear-cut category here. Because what I am saying, and many, I'm not the first to say this. Nietzsche has said it. Many other philosophers who have talked about morality have said this before me. I'm saying morality is a dogma. Because, listen, the, the say, okay, my views on morality are consistent with my views about free will, just to center the issue again. Right? Um, I think... The univ we hard determinism is the stance I take, right? I'm against free will because determinism is true. Determinism is true, therefore free will is bogus. But even if we weren't in a deterministic universe, I'd still be against free will. My view on morality is consistent with why I am not religious and why I think free will is bogus. Because okay. I look at the details of things. Morality is something we construct. If you ask enough questions, you eventually get to a place where you can't find a good reason for why you do what you do. You have to start with some axioms of some assumptions. That's how morality works. All right, Mitch, that's, that's where I would disagree. Um, the how Greeks, could you possibly disagree with that? The, would... the Greeks um, had a kind of an idea that a person, any person, at the time they're doing whatever act they're doing, and it could be the most horrific act we can think of, believes that they're doing the right thing. We have this moral imperative. Let's say like the person wants to destroy, you know, a whole civilization. It's because that person believes that that civilization deserves to be destroyed because they're evil or something. So like we, we have this kind of like fundamental premise of morality. And then, then we ask, well, what is it based on? You know, obviously whatever, you know, we're, we're considering doing or, or, or you know, assessing, we have to base it on something. When you say that morality is, is a dogma, you know, I have to yeah. question what that dogma is based on. There's, different, words, like, there's different ones. They're different. There's okay, different let, let, frameworks for morality. Let's put it this way. Um, imagine a society where they say, that they, they, this society thinks it's moral to sacrifice uh, every third child to the volcano god, okay? Would you consider, based on that society, thinking that it's moral, would you consider that then moral? That would be like more what I'm talking about when I say moral relativism. Or would you say that morality doesn't really exist at all and that and that's just that's just their criteria that they're using, but it doesn't it's not something that really exists and that would be moral nihilism. That's so, a great so what, point. Which one of these two um, would you fall under? Well, clearly clearly more towards moral nihilism, but that, but 
But here's what I'm, I'm saying. Look, I'm saying, look, the pain and suffering are very real. That's where we all agree. Where we all agree is this. Pain and suffering are very real. And from like science is based on empiricism, right? It's we experience things, we see things, we observe and we learn. We know pain and suffering. That's the worst thing there is. So it's very logical and very natural to develop moral systems that move away from pain and suffering because it's the worst thing we know. However, well, there is no obligation to be moral. There is no obligation for any particular framework. There just isn't. We just decide what, this is horrible so we don't do it. Um, Mitch, what do you that's mean it. by obligation? There's yeah, that, no that's obligation. a different thing altogether. What do you mean? That's way too difficult to question. I mean, there's no... We don't, so, for example, more examples uh, alluding to what, what you said earlier, okay? You said, give me some other ways to set up a moral framework. I gave one that was survival. Here's another one, efficiency. Here's another one. Do the worst thing you can do. Move towards pain and suffering. You can okay. say what's moral. Would you, is would you agree? Hold on. Time out, time out, time out, time out. Would you agree that suffering is a negative experiential state, and meaning it's a bad experiential state always? Would you agree with that assessment? I don't know what always. I, that's a very confusing thing to say. Always. That, the, I well, never that say, when we say that somebody is suffering, that that the very word suffering implies that they're having a bad experience, that they're having a negative experience. Do you agree with this? In the usual sense, yeah. I mean, what do you mean? In the usual sense, certainly. well, that, that's what that's what we're getting. In other words, like so that is the premise of any kind of a dogma whether if you I if disagree cited, I, I don't know hold why on, you, hold on. I don't think if it's you're the premise citing, of if you're any citing, kind hold I on just, if you're yeah. citing efficiency you know well efficiency would either be deemed desirable or undesirable i think that's the, the what trick is getting at that like anything you come up with is either going to be deemed desirable and desirable then when you question that you're going to have to come to, well, it's desirable because it creates pleasure and happiness or it's undesirable. You got, no, this is not true. Look, you, listen, I'm saying you could axiomatic. Let's, let's say you create something. You create a system. Let's not even call it morality. Let's just call it a system, okay? We'll call it ideology A. Ideology A is this. Do the most efficient thing. There's no reason why. It's just written in a book. Do the most efficient thing. Yes, but the reason it was written in no, the book no, is because well, but you're no, cheating. Wait a Stop. Let me you finish. Have to, you, I'm not no, cheating. No, no, you're cheating because you're saying yeah. the reason it was written. I'm saying forget the reason I, it was written. Let's just we, say it's written. Forget but the reason. We, we can't forget that because like a dog was created because by I'm, someone for a certain reason. Well, no, well, let's say it wasn't. Let's say this wasn't created for a reason. It's just there. It's just there. It just says do the most efficient thing. How it can it just be there? That our, our world yeah, doesn't work that way. I think. Hold on a second, guys. Hold on. Hold on. Mitch, are you suggesting that there's a dogma based on a causal event? Because you're saying no reason here, and I'm getting confused here. No, I'm saying, let's say someone finds a tablet, and on the tablet it says, do the most efficient thing ever, and then everyone just starts doing the most efficient thing ever. All right, Trick, address that. Okay, because that's why I'm saying that that very notion is arbitrary, where, whereas when, when you're talking about suffering or pain, it's not arbitrary because we understand that the quality of suffering is always a bad experience. So, so when we're talking about ethics, we, badness and goodness are a part of, of our ethical framework, whereas efficiency might not be unless it leads to badness or goodness. But here's so, the so, point. You have to def you, look, I think there's like a gap here because what I'm talking about are the more fundamental aspect of things. So when you say good and bad, 
I'm saying what if good means the most efficient thing and bad means the least efficient thing. But it does not have to be based on pain and suffering. Mitch, it, it would be an arbitrary definition of good and bad. Whereas that's not even a meaningful thing to say. Good guys, and bad. Good. If you can, you can base these words. Based I'm on it's, it's not a moral good. All or right, moral hold on, bad. guys. Hold on. Okay. Sure it is. All right, guys. Listen. Um, we have to like define um good and bad based on something. There's there has, has to be some rationale for it. You know, because like you, otherwise, I gave you like one. the most efficient thing is good. Right, but then then the question why, becomes though? why is it more? And so here's for, the, here's whoa, no, slow down, Mitch. Wait, well, come on, let me finish. So um, remember, I'm moderating, or at least I'm trying. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, all right, you gotta as, as a premise. You know, we are we're hardwired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. That's our biology. That's 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 not arbitrary. That's not subjective. That's who we are. So we're going to consider all morality, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what's desirable, what's undesirable from that foundation. So, like, you know, that that is the premise. We're, if we're looking for a foundation for morality, that is it. We're hardwired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. But, but even even if it wasn't it wasn't about seeking, George, I would say that that pain itself intrinsically within the whole idea about pain or suffering is badness. So, I agree. So, I agree so, so regardless of whether what we're looking to do, we can, we can say that this, it's discoverable that, that these configurations of matter and energy that produce suffering are, are, are producing bad experiences. These ones are producing good experiences, the ones that are producing pleasure. So we, we can assess that these are intrinsic within the matter and energy, and we can say we can understand the, uh, the actions that lead to or away from these intrinsic values. I agree. Sorry. So, Mitch, you're saying that, like... That Listen, I, 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 let me agree for a second. I agree with you guys when you say the, the, any framework of morality that has any kind of merit to it it's probably going to be one that relates to this pain and suffering thing because it's that we know from experience that's the way to go. That seems like what we want from morality. If we want something from morality, it's this reduction of pain, reduction of suffering. I agree. I'm saying that's the kind of stuff we should use. But you guys are really ignoring the most fundamental aspect of morality. Morality is about you make an action and you want to make meaning to a word. What does it mean to say proper or improper, right or wrong? That's what morality is about. What is but, right? What is but wrong? But how are we ignoring no, that? We're, hold we're on. Saying... There is, hold on. There is no obligation whatsoever for that concept to be based on pain and suffering, although I agree that's the best thing to do. But there yeah, are but, other things you but can you're, do. You're, you're missing the point that, that in morality – uh, it's not just those words, but it's it's words such as goodness and badness as well. Yeah, and, no, and, but you're, and no, we you're can missing the fundamental. Like, yes, but you, morality is about creating the definition of goodness and badness. No, no, That's no, 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 no. I'm saying I'm saying the goodness and the badness are intrinsic within those experiential states. So when, when somebody, when a cat is stuck under a tree, a tree falls on a cat, and it's experiencing the pain and and the horrors oh. of of being under that tree, it's experiencing intrinsically that that negative. It couldn't have been otherwise, that negative. That negative experience is there. It is, it's part of the matter and energy that is playing out. And, that, and that's discoverable by us. 
So, so like, again, I, there's there's a gap here. Like, like I'm saying, look, that what you're talking about again is 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 pain. Okay, I'm saying, but, but it doesn't have to be based on pain. It could be based on it. Morality right, is just look, Mitch, let's Mitch, set I, up whoa, right whoa, Mitch, I got to challenge you. I got to challenge you. Let's say we lived in a world where there was absolutely no pain and no suffering. Okay, could we in that in, in that world designate anything as immoral or wrong or bad? Yes, absolutely, of course. Well, well, we give disagree. an example. Yeah. <laughs> give an example. I give tons of examples. Efficiency. Give, you could... give one. All right, like, but but you have to Let's say we address efficiency, right? But like, so you're obviously giving a value to efficiencies. Why right. is efficiency good? And not obviously, say why you don't have to say why is not a good question because look, no. why, why, it is a good problem, question. Here's the problem of why. Here's the problem of why's. Okay, the, you can ask why a certain number of times, and someone can try to provide an answer. Okay, but eventually you're going to run out of why's. Why's always lead. Why the word the question why is related to human curiosity. I realize that, but we haven't eventually, reached that point yet. When it, comes to place, when it comes to suffering, Mitch, when it, we haven't reached the point where we're asking why. Again, we're not disagreeing. Exists. We're not really disagreeing. So like, I, I agree that pain and suffering is horrible, and if we're going to make a moral framework, let's try to move away from pain. And but suffering. but we can understand why on that. We can understand be, because of what suffering is. We can understand that suffering is always a bad yeah, okay. experience. That's let, the let definition me, let, of suffering. Let, let me destroy your why. Here we go. Let's destroy okay. the why. Here's what we're going to do. I, as a human being. I personally have experienced pain. I hate yep. pain. I haven't yep. experienced immense pain, but I've had moments. There have been times in my life where it was just horrible. I've had a really bad rash in the wintertime, but I had to walk a couple blocks. I had an earache. I've jammed my fingers and toes. I destroyed my ACL on a basketball court. I've been really hot. I've had attacked by like uh, small ants and things. I've had moments where I was like, I know what pain is. I don't want it. Correct. There are practical reasons why I might not want you to feel pain. For example, I reject solipsism. I recognize you exist. And I'm an empathetic person. And I recognize that human flourishing is important. So I don't want you to feel pain. But there's no reason why I shouldn't let you feel pain. Because you feeling pain might not cause me pain. Yeah, so I'm like, so why am I, why do I care missing, about what pain the point. you feel? Whether no, someone... I'm not missing the point. That is the point. Hold on, hold on. No, no, no. The point someone... is there is no what... obligation yeah, for me yeah. to care Whether someone about the pain act ethical doesn't mean that we can't describe the ethics. See, that's the right. we are Now we're in deontology now. Yes. Right, right. So whether one, listen to whether one ought act ethical does not mean that we can't have a description of what is ethical. Agreed. So, okay, but you're talking about the ought. You're talking about no, basically is ought. Okay. You're saying I don't, I don't, I don't have to do the ethical thing. No, you, you guys are missing. You know, you guys are missing this fundamental idea. Look, this kind of morality, this moving away from pain and suffering. There is one major axiom here. The the major thing that we're saying, the main assumption, is that morality isn't about just the individual's experience. It's about others. And there's no obligation to care about others. We, uh, uh, Mitch, Mitch, while there may is... not be while there may be, not be a quote unquote obligation, there is a pragmatic 
wisdom and yeah, caring prag- about uh, others. Pragmatic, exactly. You no, sure. pragmatic. But exactly. the obligation is pragmatic. irrelevant to the description of the ethic. This is the yeah, point Mitch that I is agreeing get. with that. I think Mitch is agreeing with that. Um, okay. So, like, but but again, like, fine. We're not obligated to. So it's a why. No, you guys thing. gave me a why. I'm saying why. Why is it that it's bad for the other person to feel bad? I know why it's Mitch, bad for me to feel bad. Why is it bad for the other person to feel bad? I'll tell you why. I understand what badness is. Why should I guys, care? The, the reason it's bad for the other person to feel bad is we know from experience when other people feel bad, it gets them into a kind of frame of mind that they want to do bad. You know, in other words, like they may blame us for their bad that they're experiencing and all. In ah, other words, but you like, see, but now you've drifted off into a pragmatic reason. So that's yeah. my point. My point sure, is, well, it's all pragmatic. Is, but that's my no, point. We don't oh, even need to go there. We, we could just say that is, we understand that these configurations are negative or bad experiences. And that is why if if we want to be ethical, we should move away from those experiences. Why? If. That no, because, hey, if. Because no, badness yeah. is part of what ethics is about. No, <laughs> no, badness... no, no, no. You guys, yes. are, you guys, we're yes. missing the. No, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm disagreeing. You guys keep missing. You're missing the fundamental thing that I'm saying. I'm saying, look, we say certain experiences. Let's say I. I have felt a certain experience. This pain yes. thing. I don't like it. Yes. You're a different person. Correct. I have no reason, other than pragmatic reasons. To be concerned with your experience. The, the concern is irrelevant to the. No, no, no. Trick, can you agree with him on that? Trick. Yes, uh, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I can, right. I can say that a sociopath. Why should, why should another, have why no should, reason to no, be concerned about ethics? The fund, no, right, I, I, so we agree with you. Why Mitch, is right. his experience, his pain and suffering, part of Trick. morality? Well, come why on, is let's it morality? This. Because yeah, yeah. It's why, why is it morality? Trick. Just oh, no, no. my experience. Mitch, Mitch, slow Why? down, slow down. Stop, stop, Mitch. All right. So basically, if I if I, if I understand trick correct correctly, he's agreeing with you that you know there's there's no quote unquote obligation, and I'm agreeing with you that it's all pragmatic. So what what is it what is it that we're in disagreement of here? That's a good there's point. No, I don't really know. There's no <laughs> obligation. <laughs> there's no obligation for anybody to act ethically. But Thank I'm saying we can't describe ethics. We can describe what is ethical based on our knowledge about what actual configurations are good, have goodness inherent in them, and which ones have bad. Just like we could describe what, that fusion is happening in the sun, and it doesn't imply that we have fusion right, guys, in I'm ourselves. Start. We're agreeing on this also. Basically, what Trick is saying is that like we, we can yes. arrive at a criteria that we agree on of what's moral and immoral. Okay, so like we're now I'm gonna like segue to something the trick said earlier, which was very interesting because it kind of like it challenges my idea of intent. In other words, like trick you mentioned a scenario where a group of people you know have as their moral um, practice, that every so often, every third child gets sacrificed, and they believe that they're doing the right thing. So then the question becomes, are they in fact doing the right thing, and what are our reasons for saying they are, or what are our reasons for saying that they may not be? Are you talking to me, or? Uh, uh, yeah, you might want to address that. Um, okay. So like, because like, because I was saying that like, um, the intent matters. And I was according. So like, all right. 
according to my understanding, it's not just consequences. Um, intent matters also, but it's not just intent. Consequences matters also. So right. this is an example. So, so I mean, can we agree that like that it can't just be consequentialist? Intention has to be um, part of the equation also. Trick, trick, address that. I'm saying, I'm saying that the reason intention is is due to the consequence. I agree. I agree. So, okay. so I mean, I mean, I mean, always like, like there's. If if we could know that somebody has the worst intentions, will always fail in their intentions and do the good thing, then we should let that person do what they intend to do, <laughs> even no, though they're even so though they quick. have the most horrific intentions. Right. It doesn't matter because it's really it really truly is the consequence that matters. But trick, but trick. That's also a pragmatic consideration. In other words, like yes, we'll let the person do that. To get the better outcome, but I think we also judge what the person did as immoral. I'm, yeah, and this is where I'm thinking: since there's no free will, we can't really make judgments on people. All right, Morality. let's go to that. Let's go to that. Absolutely. So, like, we don't have a free will, and this whole idea of judging ourselves, other people, you know, from that standpoint, doesn't make sense. Go ahead, Trick. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying we shouldn't really judge uh, moral without the free free will paradigm. Morality, in the sense of using something to blame something or someone or to put judgment on them, doesn't make a whole lot of sense anymore. All right, and, um, and that's why consequentialism kind of falls uh, in line with uh, the lack of free will. Okay, Chandler, I want to hear from you, and then Mitch on like you know, um, basically, if we do, you agree that we you know it's incorrect to blame others and ourselves or credit ourselves for anything. Um, and if then, like you might want to address also, if we're not blaming or crediting ourselves for anything, who or what do we, or do we dispense with that altogether? Chandler, then Mitch. Right. Well, first, I agree that it's in, insane to credit or blame any human being or anything for anything because of the fact that free will is an incoherent idea. And so I can't really um, morally judge the, the person or their intent. And so it's very much, I'm very much a consequentialist in the sense that the reason that we would even consider... No, no, go, we're beyond this consequential, you know, like something is either moral or immoral, regardless. Like, so you're saying we don't blame the person because they don't have a free will. Then um, what, you know, what are we to make of that? Is there anything else to blame? Or, you know, do we blame anything? Is any, if we're not moral or immoral, is... What makes us do what we do, moral or immoral, and can we identify that? I don't think we can attribute morality or immorality to anything. Okay. Um, all right, Mitch, what's your take? Jamie, the typing. Yeah, sorry, I'm just trying to respond to someone See? because he, someone keeps oh. on sending messages this way. Oh, can you mute your mic, though? Yeah, I'll, I'll mute my mic uh, next time I do it. Um, yeah, about what you were saying, about what Mitch was saying about um, objective morality... All that stuff. Right. You want to? Absolutely. What's your so like basically, Jamie? If because we don't have a free will, can't we can't blame or credit ourselves for anything? What do we dispense with with morality then? That like basically there is no such thing as, as morality because there's nothing to attribute to. I would say that we we still need ethics because it's it's for the good of um it's it's for the good of society, isn't it? Because if we if we remove our if we take away our laws, right? If we if we remove laws against murder, robbery, such and such and such, right? People just do what the heck they want, 
and there'll be complete anarchy. All know? right, Jamie, we're in agreement on that, but the, the question becomes, you know, again, we are not responsible because we don't have a free will for any moral or immoral act we do. Is there reason? Or what, Jamie, who or what do we attribute this these moral acts to? Mm. Well, when it comes to people um, behaving badly, we attribute um, we attribute it to the causes, don't we? We look to the um, person's history, their nature and nurture, um, their, what their childhood childhood was like all right mitch so like you know jane is saying that the causality is to either be credited or blamed what what what's your take on that i have as i've said many times before i have no interest in agency i think agency is a big problem i have no interest in saying who did anything all right we're not responsible defining how are you defining agency who agency is giving meaning to the word who it's saying this thing or this person did that thing. But since oh, there's an infinite chain of events, obviously it doesn't make any sense to say something caused something because you can just look farther back in the chain and say it was something else than something else. So there is no so, thing that causes anything. However, so are you, to answer are you the thing saying, about morality, though, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. To answer the, your point about morality, there's lots of reasons to be moral. There are very practical reasons. No, no, we, are, we understand that. No, we're okay. in agreement on that. But like you're saying, so like, all right, are you saying that there's no rationale to, even though, so I mean, basically, are we concluding that there is morality, because morality is like, you know, based on what creates pleasure and pain, but well, there's I'm not, nothing, I'm not hold saying on, there hold is on, real. but there's no one or anything to attribute this morality to, since we can't attribute it to human beings. No, I'm saying not only is there nothing to attribute to, any, you can't really, not only can we never rationally talk about the cause of something, we can only practically talk about the cause of something to make it um, useful for human conversation, right? It's very useful to say, I dropped the pen, or I hit domino A and that led to domino B falling. That's just for human conversation. That's the purpose of agency. Now, in terms of morality, uh, I don't see morality as something that actually exists. I see morality as something that we create. And you can have morality based on this idea of moving away from pain and suffering or just have morality based on practical reasons or have morality based on any number of reasons. But, yeah, I think morality is a good thing, especially the one away from pain and suffering. All right. So, like, good idea. Trick trick Mitch is saying that morality doesn't really exist. It's something we're creating. What what are your thoughts on that? Um, I have the opposite view, I think. Morality is something that we can actually discover and describe. We can describe what actions are moral actions. Um, so, so yeah, I don't, I don't take All that right, position. All right, so then if, if that's the case, then how would you answer the question? If, if we don't have a free will, um, are we rational in, in attributing this morality to anything outside of ourselves? No, I, see, I don't attribute morality to towards a person like I, like I don't think a person is blameworthy um, I think morality is that's that's why I'm a consequentialist no I understand that but what I'm okay. saying like we're agreeing that basically because we don't have a free will you can ascribe either immorality or morality to human beings but then to what do we ascribe this morality uh, mor- morality is more of a process it's, it's more of an underst- of us understanding 
what events lead to certain outcomes. And it's that process, it's that mental process that, that causes. So I, I, I'm currently right in the midst of writing a book called um, Causal Ethics. So I think ethics are, are um, causally driven. They're causally driven to lead to, for, for things that think about ethics to um, lead to certain actions, basically. But why, that, that but like, if causality, Chandler said that causality is what's driving our ethics. So like, if, if we do something more immoral, let's say, and we're not going to blame ourselves because we don't have free will, what is the error or the unwiseness we, of attributing this we can uh, immorality to causality? Well, we can understand that, that the person that acts unethically or immorally uh, was causally driven to do so. And we can also try to understand what variables we can place into to fix these type of, uh, to create solutions, basically, uh, that fix these type of problems in the future. So, right. so that's why it's always a future-looking uh, ethic. All right, I'm going to answer my own question. Basically, then this will get into a bit into what we talked about yesterday. Basically, um, I believe that the universe, through the laws of nature, governs everything. I mean, absolutely everything that's so like it. So I, I have no problem attributing agency to the universe because the universe is sovereign. So like, um, so basically now what, what would be the pragmatic uh, reason for, for this? You know, I actually happen to be a pantheist. I, I believe that the universe, in order to govern everything, has to be conscious of and know everything. And so, like, the universe is, like, basically directing things, and we are part of the universe, and it's a theory. You know, I'm not sure I can, like, present em empirical evidence, but the theory is that we can actually influence um, what the universe does through our, our interaction, our consciousness. You know, let, let's say, for example, let's say, let's say we consider ourselves a neuron within the brain. We're not the entire brain, but we're a neuron. But that neuron can influence, for example, what the, the entire brain decides to do and vice versa. So I, I, this is kind of like a panpsychistic view of, of reality. But I, you know, again, the pragmatic yeah. uh, reason for that is that if we can't blame ourselves and each other for any or anything, you know, it may be useful to blame the universe so that we can communicate the universe and somehow perhaps induce the universe to uh, to create more pleasure and less pain. I think we can induce such without the need of of invoking panpsychism. So so I, I don't I don't see a reason why we would think the universe, except for the creatures that are on our planet or, or maybe perhaps on a certain other planet, uh, possibly. Uh, are conscious. I don't. I don't see the reason for any any logical reason for us to think that there's any any consciousness besides that. And so it's it's basically all all the consciousness in my position uh, applies to us alone, and we are the ones that have to try to. And, and it's this will causally happen. Try to figure out uh, the best courses of action for. Ethics. Okay, Mitch, what's your take? I'm not a pantheist, so I I'm agreeing completely with Trek. Okay, part. Chandler. Yeah, I have so many things I've been itching to say and haven't had a chance to say hardly anything this episode. But I want to say that um, 
I don't think we need the concept of blame. I mean, if it helps you to blame the universe, I'm fine with that. But I don't think there is any agents to attribute credit or blame to. And I think it's very important. The reason we discuss morality, because we can't morally uh, blame or credit people, it's to help us discuss our moral frameworks because I believe that will lead away from pain and suffering. I do find myself agreeing with what Mitch said um, a few weeks going back, though, like about the ISIS terrorists, right? If, if, if he could think of anyone to um, get rid of, it'll be them because they've, they've killed um, so many innocent people and that, you know, with the beheadings and whatnot. But, um, you know, we do find it hard to blame people we do find it hard not to blame people when we hear stories like this, you know, very emotional ones where people are getting tortured, murdered, whatever, you know? Right. But Chandler continue. Cause I agree with you. I think to dispense with blame would be extremely useful to, to everyone. Yeah. See, here's the deal, George and the other guys. See, I think that we can reduce suffering and we can improve the frameworks, even though we disagree on the frameworks of morality. I think each of our frameworks will improve over time as we ask those questions about why do we consider something good or bad. And so that's, that's the whole point of this podcast, because it's not about blaming or crediting anybody. So I think that's the important thing to understand. So, so we can apply that reasoning. In other words, like we don't, we attribute um, or we identify ourselves and each other as the relative, the, the proximate causes of, of the good and bad we do, because we're actually, you know, it's like a puppet may do something, but it's not fundamentally responsible. But just how we identify ourselves as the causes and don't blame ourselves, I think we can extend that to causality into the universe, especially in light of this kind of like understanding that we can never get back to a point because of this infinite regress where we can actually identify the universe or, or any kind of you know, entity as having decided to do something right or wrong. So, so, right, but, so all ahead, my ideas and all my opinions came from the universe pretty much. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, everything we're saying is coming from the universe. And again, that invites a lot of um, speculation that's outside of this um, issue of morality. But mm -hmm. all right, so we, we, we basically, um, guys, do we agree that so like blame is not a, a rational or constructive um, construct, whether it relates to people or the universe? Trick? Yeah. Yeah, if, if, if even if, Pans, you know, your your panpsychism was um, an actuality. We'll say, even if that was the case, I would say that that it wouldn't make sense to blame the universe for for something that it couldn't do otherwise. So excellent, Mitch. Well, clearly, blame doesn't make any sense because free will is an absurdity. No, no, but we're, uh, naturally, it doesn't make any sense for human beings. But like some, you know, some of us might tend to blame the universe. In other words, like. You know, and I guess so you're saying essentially that, that you don't subscribe to the, to the issue of, of agency. So this wouldn't be a question for you outside of human beings or. It's, it's just not even a question for me. Blame is just meaningless. Well, I think what Mitch means is that, you know, the universe can't have free will either because the concept is incoherent. And therefore that automatically makes blame incoherent as well.
Oh, furthermore, so furthermore, I'm saying there is no such thing as a universe. It's just like I've said this before. It's just, like when you eat M and M's. M and M's are in a bag. So you say this is the bag that holds the M and M's. The universe, from my perspective, is just the bag that holds the M and M's. So it doesn't. So why would I blame the bag yeah, that holds right. the? M&Ms? Hey, I know an idea. Why don't we redefine God as a bag of M and M's? All right, but you guys are going to have to deal. Mitch, listen to the podcast that Chandler, um, WSD, and I did uh, yesterday because I present a very compelling case that God and the universe are synonymous. So well, I don't, um, I don't believe yeah. in either. So no, I. How <laughs> <laughs> so, could you not believe in the universe? What are you talking about? I just told you the bag of M and M's. It's just a <laughs> yeah. bag of M and M's. Fine. So to you, the universe, but you believe in a it's bag of M and M's, don't you? Well, well <laughs> it's just a word. That's what I'm saying. Just All right. So let, let, let's try to summarize. So we agree that uh, consequentialism or pain and pleasure are the fundamentals by which we, you know, kind of like define what is right and wrong morality, but it's not com- a complete definition because we have to ha- also have to, in a certain sense, take account intent in terms of like assigning um, morality or immorality to a certain act. But the other part of it is that, um, that in terms of our pragmatic, um, like just um, understandings of, of our world or just like, you know, actions, we have to recognize that um, that we can't know, you know, in advance what's going to be. Uh, I, I think that what what we were talking about before, we did reach agreement on on, on the two points. I, I, I can't. I'm not sure. I wasn't able to 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 explain the second point um, completely, sir. Yeah, I think we I think we kind of all kind of diverge a little bit on uh, on our ethical system, especially me and Mitch a little bit, but. Uh, um... I think so, where, we, so, where we can agree certainly is that we're trying to avoid pain and suffering. And no matter which moral framework we use, I think we all have the same sort of goal in mind. I think you're right, Mitch. I think that we are all trying to move away from pain and suffering, which is the entire point of bringing the world the message that we don't have free will. I do understand Mitch's point, though. I mean, without free will, I mean, where's objective morality? Blame doesn't make sense anymore, does it? Well, it I think I think there's a difference between morality and moral responsibility, and people get those two confused. Ah, yes, that should be an, actually another podcast at some point because moral right. responsibility and is a different thing totally altogether. Agree. And Mitch, that addresses your point. You're right. <laughs> Fundamentally, we are not obligated, you know, in any in any basic sense, to be moral. But yep. you know, we 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 hold it a, a pragmatic advantage based on our experience of of reality. Does that? Yeah, that makes sense. Three hundred percent. Okay. So, Chandler, how are we on time on this? Well, we are at almost fifty-nine minutes. So perhaps there needs to be some kind of closing remarks. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, like, basically, you know, um, this has been a great discussion, and I, we, we, you know, we'll we'll, we'll revisit this in terms of like the the fine points that we may not completely agree on, but. You know, essentially, it's important, and as, as Chandler was saying, the reason we're doing this free will podcast is because the belief causes so much, not just irrational, but unnecessary pain and suffering. And to the extent we can lead our world, our civilization, human, our human species from this 
completely misguided notion of free will to a proper understanding of reality, then we in future generations stand to like experience so much pleasure and so much less uh, pain. Okay, thanks for listening. This is George Ortega. I've been here with Chandler Klebs, Trick Slattery, Mitch J, and Jamie Soden. We'll be back with more episodes on free will, science, and religion.